Live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for the Exit Exchange. Brought to you by XPX Atlanta. Dedicated to changing the trajectory of exit planning services in the Southeast. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Exit Exchange. Brought to you by XPX Atlanta. I'm sitting alongside David Shavzen, Bob Tanksley. Gentlemen, another show, great show we got coming up here, right? We do, John. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Good to see both of you. Uh, folks, we've got Andre Sagankov here with us. Andre is with Founders Legal, and uh, we've got a shout out to Andre before we let him talk. Andre is a gold sponsor of. Uh, the XPX Atlanta chapter. Andre, first of all, thank you for your sponsorship. Thank you for your support of the uh, this great chapter that we have. We appreciate you. Absolutely, John. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show and uh, happy to be here and happy to be an XPX sponsor. Thank you. Hey, uh, let's get into your work and how you're serving clients. Tell us about your work at Founders Legal. Sure thing. Well, uh, I'm a, an Atlanta-based business transactional attorney. And what I really do is I help companies avoid becoming and staying flying gas cans. Now, that's from the beginning and, and growth stages. We focus on a lot of fast-growing companies. Uh, but also when they're nearing that exit stage, because sometimes companies operate for a very long time. And when a big change comes, and either a buyer or other folks who might be part of that, uh, that that's a transaction or that event look to see what's under the hood, it turns out that things are not all well. So that's one of the things I do is to really help fix those problems, especially on the, on the business and corporate side, intellectual property, data privacy. Um, those are the things that my team and I really focus on fixing. So let's let's talk about I guess the uh I think right from the top some of the trends that you're seeing and we talked a little bit about that before we came on but what are you seeing in the legal industry and then maybe uh Bob and David can dig into some of the client things you're seeing Sure well the legal industry at large is you know it's it's uh it's it's very dynamic, especially at the moment, and it's it's not a lot of things that uh, folks outside that industry see, and yet it affects the folks who use legal services. So that that's why I think it's important to kind of touch on that um, at this stage. So one of the most important trends that we see is that um, certain types of services that are uh, very formulaic they're becoming more and more commoditized. On the other hand things that are and have been more bespoke and more complex are moving in that direction as well. So the middle ground, at least from, from where I'm sitting, is slowly eroding in those two areas. And how that impacts the companies who use those services is they kind of have to uh, both rely on their legal counsel and also see um, from within as to what they need and, and understand which of those items uh, they're looking at. So for example, uh, when it comes to you know protecting a brand, 
trademarks, for example, trademark application filings, that kind of stuff, uh, or forming a subsidiary company. Those tend to be very formulaic and they're becoming more and more commoditized. However, on the other hand, we have new laws and regulations that are coming in place across the board. And that's simply because there are things that exist today that did not exist maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. For instance, um, blockchain and cryptocurrency, that has not even been a thing until 2012, 2013. And it didn't really pick up until 2016 and 17. So now there are a lot of regulations in place to um, that are coming online to kind of regulate that, including, for example, the Build Back Better uh, Act that was just passed uh, very, very recently. So they part of that actually touches um, the regulation of cryptocurrency and what it can and cannot be done under the tax code. Um, same thing with, for example, data privacy. 20 years ago, that was not a thing. And even as far back as maybe seven, eight years ago, uh, companies could freewheel as far as they wanted to go uh, when it comes to what they want to do. They can just stick up a privacy policy, for example, if they were in the tech space, follow their own rules, and everything's fine. Well, now we have GDPR in the EU. We have laws in Australia and Brazil and India. And of course, here in the US, starting with California, CCPA. So those specific kind of items, they're becoming more and more complex. And so companies really need to kind of be aware of what of where uh, they're going. And that's where the legal industry is, is, is going as well. So Andre, um, that's a lot. Uh, and and it, it's always a lot, right? Because, you know, two years ago and six years ago and 10 years ago, there were other new things. Uh, it's constantly changing. Um, it, we serve a lot of that lower middle market. Um, they can't bring an attorney in-house uh, financially. But even, you know, how, how do they address these really, you're talking about dozens of really significant issues, that, a lot of which they're probably not even aware of. But where do they start? You know, how do they prioritize and making sure that they are at, the, at a minimum, you know, compliant from a regulatory standpoint, but then more broadly integrate things into their business from a strategic standpoint? Of course, David, and that's a great question. And it's always a rather difficult one because it depends on uh, the specific industry that the, the, this particular company might be in. Um, it depends on what they do and how they do it. So that, that's always very, very tricky to kind of determine. So um, what they really need to do is find um, you know, good quality advisors, not just legal, but other folks who can help pinpoint those issues and then help find the right person or the right team to help resolve. Them. Uh, and so that, that's probably the, the, the best um, the best answer to that question is find a team of trusted advisors who can help pinpoint those problems and then address them, including obviously finding uh, an attorney that the company trusts who can serve as their effective de facto general counsel and can either handle those things at that person's firm or, or bring in other folks as needed. Yeah, Andre, I, I like to ask some of the tough questions here on these episodes. Uh, why do you think owners push back on involving attorneys uh, early, either in an exit process or, you know, a problem is, uh, 
beginning to crop up. Something looks like it might be a problem, but there's always the pushback. Can, can you, we had a, um, a CPA on several months ago and, and one common theme that came out of that uh, episode was business owners connect with your, your attorney, your, uh, your CPAs rather early and often stay close to them. And so my advice to owners listening now and, and the advisors who work with owners, you know, have them connect with attorneys early and often. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, pay a, a giant legal bill, but, you know, what are, uh, what are some ways and some reasons that owners need to stay close to their, their legal counsel? Sure. And well, I, I think you, you touched on a very interesting uh, dynamic that a lot of uh, companies go through. They, they talk their CPA around February, March every year, and then they don't talk to them anymore. <laughs> Maybe they have a 30 minute phone call around, you know, December 20 something. Um, and that oftentimes does not lead to the most favorable results. You know, just like CPAs who are good ones um, can effectively pay for themselves in finding clever ways to, uh, you know, maybe do some deferments uh, in, in terms of revenue or find tax credits that, are, that, are, that might benefit a specific company. Um, with legal, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's similar um, that folks treat lawyers as firemen. Hey, my building's on fire. Come here, turn <laughs> out, and then go away. <laughs> so, but there are other relationships there that actually might benefit both from an operational side. And we, we can touch on that a little bit later in the show, I think. Um, and also, um, you know, just from a prevention standpoint, because it's oftentimes a lot more uh, cost effective to pinpoint and prevent issues way more uh, cost effective than to try and resolve them on the back end. So, and, and, and also to, I want to add this, a lot of times folks don't know what they're buying when it comes to legal services. It's always a black box. And a lot of times either people themselves, their company, or their colleagues, friends, other colleagues in the business community have had really bad experiences. And for various reasons, whether they were overbilled. Maybe they just didn't get what they thought they were going to get. So a lot of times there are very people very hesitant to, uh, to bring on attorneys for cost because they don't know what they're buying. So uh, really, I, I think it'd be very beneficial for companies when there's not a building on fire type situation. If they don't already have a, an attorney they trust to, to bring in, um, other advisors who they do trust and say, look, let's get this taken care of. Um, you know, introduce me to someone who can help with my specific business and, and then involve that person on kind of an ongoing basis, at least talk a few times a year, maybe set up a cadence where, you know, it's a quarterly or at least semi-annually to pinpoint and help prevent certain issues. Now it's not going to be very expensive to do that. You know, that that's that's that doesn't cost a lot of money, but it can be very very helpful to companies in the long term. So uh, switching gears, I, I got asked this very difficult question. I like those too. I, I was on a podcast a couple of years ago and was asked, "What's the one most important thing business owners need to know about exit planning and value?" And I said, "What are you talking about? There's eight thousand things. I can't prioritize one." So I'm going to ask you. Uh, the same question for rising rapid growth companies. What's the most important thing they need to do that they typically, I assume, overlook doing? 
from a legal standpoint, um, it's, I think, um, as they grow to really ensure that they have a grasp on legal and regulatory, um, early and find a way that scales and grows with them, just like anything else, just like whether it might be bookkeeping or their technology or, uh, their operations. This is a piece that has to scale. Um, otherwise they might end up stepping in the bear trap and not know it. And that's, that's, that's terrible. So, um, I think it's actually finding a good advisor who can help them grow to who knows what to expect, who can tell them, look, here's what you need to think about down the road and to set up those, those systems and processes, not overnight, but over the course of their trajectory. What's, what's one thing in that, in that arena, you know, rapid growth, um, would you say that's most common among whatever the industry is that uh, becomes a real problem? If you had to, if you had to prioritize one thing that they're ignoring in the rapid growth from a legal perspective. Sure. Uh, you know, it, it really, it's a bit industry specific, I think, but uh, you know, for companies, for example, that have uh, a very large um, a pool of employees, manufacturers, for example, um, or distribution companies who might have a, a large number of employees, especially those hourly uh, folks, uh, you know, wage and hour issues and hiring um, and, and paying people appropriately. That, that can be a very, very, very uh, massive bear trap, um, you know, come sale time. Because if, if it turns out that, for example, um, they might not have paid their people proper, proper overtime, um, et cetera, that could be a very large liability hanging over the company's head. Another example, for example, in the software industry, sell to enterprise software is companies that don't, um, they may have a, have developed a contract when there were just two guys at a desk and they kind of still use that or try to use that with, with enterprise customers. And, and what results is they just get a lot of pushback and it's just nonstop. Their sales team just keeps, um, you know, butting their heads against the wall because the company did not set their sales, the legal side of their sales process up correctly. So that's another common kind of mistake that when fixed can actually be a huge uh, benefit to the top line. Um, so those are just two examples, but of course there are others. So here at XBX, you know, we're always working with uh, with owners and mainly through advisors to owners. The advisors are probably uh, probably 99 point something percent of our 116 members currently. So uh, a lot of a lot of folks that will be listening to the show uh, that we will be able to have influence through. Well, the mission of the organization is to help owners achieve better outcomes in their exit, whether that's an outright sale, an internal transition uh, or, you know, just complete disillusion uh, uh, of, of the entity and, and have that that business value dissipate back into the marketplace. But again, from a back to the legal perspective, the, a lot of um, those companies continue to face some of the same challenges around exit. Can you speak to that? Um, things to prepare for, I would say, in particular, things that uh, that we know we're going to hear the buyer and and their due diligence team ask for uh, in this this current era and you know over over long periods of time kind of a long-winded question but um, 
I'm asking it because we're faced with it on such a regular basis. Of course, uh, of course. And Bob and David, I, I, I know based on what you both do, that you see these issues all the time where a deal would, is on the table and then, well, okay, well now it's either not going to happen or it's going to happen maybe in six months because you know there are a number of things in due diligence that come up that need to be fixed if they even can be fixed. And they should have been fixed. So, I call it. I call it reducing buyer objections before any buyer has a chance to raise them. It, it, if the owner's got time and money and the right people and the right outside counsel, let's fix these. You know, ninety percent of these problems that we hear and objections that we hear buyers and their teams raise across all these these deal types. Sure, sure. I, I think to to kind of begin to answer this this, this question, um, I think we have to go go back to kind of the the philosophy of the business owner or the business owners, if there's multiple parties, and then of course the management team, uh, start, build, scale, and run your company like you're going to sell it, if that's your goal. So if, 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 that's, if, if that's the perspective, then, then you have to kind of work, look at the very end and work backwards and saying, well, if I was buying this company, what would I want to buy? You know, so, well, I, I, I don't want skeletons in the closet. I, I don't, you know, I want everything to be. You know, I don't want loose and ang- uh, dangling IP hanging out there. You know, I, I, I want things locked up. I don't want, uh, you know, any HR issues to come back and bite me. I want my, uh, uh, my, my tax, uh, all the areas of tax clean and ready to go. I love that. I'll always be ready to sell. Exactly. Exactly. And that's going to probably be the best takeaway i think from this specific question is well okay if i if i have not been doing that well let's let, let's plan for it and say all right well when do i want to have this exit transaction event i mean if it's now then let's get it done now but hopefully ideally we have a little bit of time and ideally if there are problems we can look into them find a way to fix them and then we don't have them anymore when it's Time to sell, and there's a deal on the table. Andrew, so, so Bob kind of brought up. You mentioned IP. Um, what, what's one other just common area, whatever the industry that that um, not just you know the general preparation, but um, a, you know a legal issue that someone has just not addressed. What, what, what would you say is uh, the most common after IP issues that just haven't been nailed down? Sure. So, so. Um, when it comes when it comes to Knoxville property, it's uh, I, I think it's a, a very common thing where where people think they own certain things and they actually don't, and and that needs to be perfected. On the patent side, let's say you might have a great team, an R and D team, whether it's a lab, if you're maybe a, a, a manufacturer does chemicals or manufactures plastics or whatever you might 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 do. All those people on that development team, whether it's material science engineers or software developers or, or other people in that space, they need to assign their rights to the company because if there's anything patentable, then the company needs to own that. And that's, that can only be done by, by proper contracts between the employer and the employee and, and, or any third party contractors, advisors, etc. So uh, that's a very common problem that we see that that's not buttoned buttoned up and that can be a big problem if there's a long history 
um, trade secrets as well. Um, make sure everyone has restrictive covenants in place and confidentiality agreements, because if someone goes and leaves your company and goes to work for a competitor and they take your secret sauce with them, it's a lot easier to enforce if you have certain agreements in place with them and, and, and a certain uh, track record of, of having that uh, in place. I hope that answers the question, David. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. Folks, we're here chatting with uh, Andre Saganko. Sagankov, I'm sorry, uh, Andre. Uh, Andre is he's a partner with Founders Legal. Andre, I'm curious about uh, something about you. See, this is the great reason to do these interviews with people. We're, we're sitting in, across the table from all the time in XPX Atlanta chapter meetings, uh, whether that's table tables virtual or uh, a real one, by the way. Um, it says in the show notes you are uh, you were co-founded and directly involved in managing five companies. In other words, you've like been there, <laughs> shall we say? Right. I'm I'm just curious what that experience that you bring to the table for a client. I mean, what are what are some of the things from your experience that you bring that are really stand out for you that that um, owners should be aware of? Sure, sure. Uh, Thanks, John. That's that's, that's, a, that's a interesting question as well because uh, I'm a business guy first, and uh, and I think a lawyer second because that's what I think yields the best results in in kind of the area that I'm involved with. Because people want practical advice, they want clear answers. Tell me what I can do. Don't just tell me what I cannot do. So um, my background I, initially, um, I ran an export distribution company for about seven years before becoming a lawyer. And uh, also in conjunction with being an attorney and, and so in, in parallel with some of that, I did start and manage other companies with other people, of course, um, along the way in different industries. So um, whether or not it's a good idea or a bad idea, I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, at the very least, I can tell you this. Um, I'm quite familiar with the struggles and the challenges, the well, and, and also some of the benefits, of course, that 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 business owners and business uh, management teams face uh, when it comes to starting, growing, or scaling their companies. So that that's kind of the perspective that I bring. It's not just lawyer. <laughs> well, let, let, we're winding down here, and uh, we we can't let this opportunity go by. You've been a, a gold sponsor for XPX Atlanta for some time. I mean, talk about why you got involved with the chapter, why you decided to sponsor and what that does for you and your practice. Sure. Well, I think um, I first was introduced to XPX in 2019. And honestly, um, I didn't really know what to expect initially, but um, after first couple of meetings, it became very clear that it truly is a wonderful organization. Uh, it, it brings together a lot of different types of people, um, which I think is the, probably the biggest uh, draw of XPX at large. Is, is you, you're surrounded by very sharp, knowledgeable, and frankly, very nice people um, who do things that are maybe in parallel to what you're doing. And that's the biggest draw 
to me at least, you know, because all of these folks are all rolling in the same direction. So the mission of the organization itself, I think is, is, is brilliant um, as is kind of the meeting format, especially when I hope we go back together in person, <laughs> looking forward to that very much. Uh, but overall, uh, that's why I think Equidex is such a draw to me is to be able to connect with a lot of like-minded uh, people, to be able to call folks and say, hey, I have this specific problem. My client has this specific problem and be able to have it answered very quickly and very efficiently. And of course, um, you know, it, it also, it, it certainly helps if um, there are referrals to be sent one way or another, but at least, uh, at least to me, I think having an organization that has that, the mission that it does, um, that's the most important part. Awesome. David, Bob, it doesn't get any better than that. I don't think, right? No, no, not at all. No, we appreciate that, Andre. It's, uh, uh, it, as you say, um, you first uh, heard about it in 2019. We're about two and a half years into it and uh, couldn't function without our sponsor partners, uh, along with a lot of our member volunteers. So it's absolutely critical, and we appreciate the, the, um, the feedback and the comments and what the answer there validates a little bit, I think, of the, uh, the approach and all of the work that a lot of people have put into it. So, so that's uh, wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, appreciate John very much. Bob and David, thank you both very much for for organizing and running XBX and for bringing it to Atlanta. It's a wonderful organization. Thanks, and we are back in person in January 2022. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, boy, we're looking forward to that. And uh, and we, hey, folks, and if you're listening to this show in November, we've got a little in person social coming up. So. We'll talk about uh, where to go find out more about that in a minute, but we've got to get to the most important question for right now, which is uh, for Andre, which is if someone's heard something, Andre, that they'd like to uh, get in touch, discuss with you, how can they reach out and and, uh, connect with you? Sure. Um, Always uh, go to our website at founderslegal.com or reach out to me at Andre at Founders Legal. Pretty simple. Uh, Andre Sagankov, folks, and uh, he's the uh, he's partner at Founders Legal. Uh, Andre, you do great work. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for coming on the show, John. Thank you very much for uh, for having me. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, Bob and David, thank you again. Thanks, Andre. Hey, folks. Just a, a quick reminder. Um, I think you know by now. This show is brought to you by uh, XPX Atlanta. Uh, the Atlanta chapter of the Exit Planning Exchange, uh, which is a local association of diverse professional advisors who collaborate to help their private company clients build business value, transfer ownership, and create a legacy of success in their lives and their communities. Um, and by the way, just we've got to put an editorial out there, right, David and Bob, because we've talked about this in some of our recent meetings. It's not, we don't have just people that are specifically on the exit planning side of this. We've got members who help companies get to that point. So they may be consultants in growth or sales or what have you, right? So you may want to say something. I want to put that out there because we need to let people know that, right? 
Yeah, pretty much uh, anyone who works with owners all throughout the ownership lifecycle from startup through uh, through exit and even beyond. Um, our, our business owner clients are up against a lot of challenges these days, especially post-COVID, and, and they need all the help they can get. They need the most robust team around them possible. So XPX allows the type of collaboration where teams can come together, learn about each other's skill sets and abilities. And, and what we're seeing is we are beginning to to change that trajectory of exit planning services in the Southeast. Love it. And folks, if you want to know more, go to xpxatlanta.org. Uh, you can find out more about the organization, upcoming events. I mentioned the social that we've got coming up, in-person social on December the 9th, I think it is. Did I get that right? December okay. 9th. December 9th. Member, member social. Member social. And so we'd love to have members. Please show up. And I know some of you just dying to be in person and waiting for this moment. Here we are. So make sure you be there. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. And if you're listening to this show after December, um, go to the website, check out our events. Uh, and, uh, we, we've got a terrific, uh, group, a bunch of programming that, uh, uh, our team has put together. So check that out as well. If you want to see a past, um, archive of our show, the Exit Exchange, go to xpxatlantaradio.com. You can find our complete archive of shows. And go if you want to subscribe to the show, go to the Exit Exchange on your favorite podcast app. Search for that term. You'll find the show. Subscribe. We'd love to have you as a regular listener. So for our special guest, Andre Sagankoff and uh, my my friends David and David Shavzin, Bob Tanksley. I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on the Exit Exchange.